Hello all, listen, you are in for a great episode. I know I say that all the time, but this cortisol talk is really gonna inspire you. It's gonna bless you. I went a little bit over the 30 minute mark, but I really wanted to be detailed enough so that you could walk away with an understanding of what's going on with your body, inside of your body, and how to manage it. And so I think that you're gonna really receive that. Grab your wellness tea, a friend, make sure that you have subscribed and get ready for a great conversation. But first, here is my ad. Welcome, welcome, my Holistically Well family. Thank you for joining me, your well woman practitioner, Lashanna Moore of Holistically Well through this podcast, Holistically Speaking. Today, I want to share with you about cortisol and I want you to have a better understanding of what it is, how it affects our body. I believe in having conversations like this with you about things like cortisol, metabolism, mitochondria, uh, mental health support, nutrients, nutrition, foods, herbalism, um, and then a lot of the well conversations, the wellness conversations that we have. I think this is important because it helps you to build a stronger understanding of your body. When you have a stronger understanding of your body, it helps you to build better relationship with your body, okay? And when you build a better relationship with your body, you're able to make better decisions. You're able to move a lot freer in the world without fear and paralysis and restriction of what to do and what not to do because you're giving yourself a lot more wiggle room simply because you've got tools now to understand your body better. And having a relationship with him or her, your body, is essential and important as you go through all of the different changes and stages and shifts that you're going to experience. Do know that you're not always going to know everything about your body. There are going to be times where you have to learn something new about what's going on inside and how you can partner. That's that's really the phrasing and the idea that I like to consider. How I can partner with my body to keep her well, to keep her whole, to keep her functioning fluidly and functioning on all cylinders. So we're going to have a conversation about cortisol And I want to start by just giving you basic definition of what cortisol is. So cortisol is a hormone. It's our body's primary stress hormone, and it's produced by our adrenal glands. So cortisol has several roles. It releases itself into our bloodstream, and that's very important because anything that's released in the bloodstream is one of the quickest ways to experience uh, whatever the ultimate goal is. Now, sometimes that can go awry too. And you experience some things you don't want to feel because it's in the bloodstream. Pain relief, pain management is something that we do desire to feel that we do appreciate feeling a quick result of. But cortisol is released in our bloodstream and its intention is to manage the body's response to fear, to danger, to stress, to things that really get us in a heightened state. Cortisol's intention is to manage the body's response. We'll come back to that. Uh, Cortisol's intention is also to increase the body's metabolism of glucose. And how does it do that? How does my body increase glucose? 
metabolism of glucose? Well, through pro- protein stores that are that are in the liver. And this helps a person in the fight or fright mode, or I like to say, and you've heard it as well, fright, flight, or fight mode. Cortisol also helps us to control our blood pressure and its intention is to help reduce inflammation. So those are the primary roles of cortisol. So there's some good stuff there. (laughs) Cortisol does not just come to wreak havoc. It is an important hormone management released by our adrenal glands that we need. I repeat a few of these things in summary form because, again, repetition is the mother of skill. And I want you to um, have an understanding of what's being said. So with understanding what the role of cortisol is and its intention of management in the body, I want you to think about how your body has responded to the different shifts and the different events that you've experienced in the last few years, last few years up to present day. And look, it can go far beyond last few years. It can go as deep as childhood. But when we think about all of the different things that we have experienced and been experiencing and the reality that life has really changed. Now, life already came with with its own complexity, But we can attest to the reality that it's on 10 now. It's it's there is an overhaul, an overdrive of stress and danger and fear. And so the intention for cortisol to manage our body's response has gone into overdrive. So. Our body is going to respond to that. And when our body is trying to message to us that it's no longer in danger, that there is no fear, that stress can come down a little bit. Many times because we have been in that sympathetic response for so long, that sympathetic nervous system has been out of control for so long. It is very hard for us to receive that message. So we are in traumatic stress. We are in post-traumatic stress. We are in hypervigilance mode. We are in fix-it mode. We are in fight, fright, or flight mode. And reality is that it takes time. So with that being said, be graceful and gracious with yourself. It takes time to balance your nervous system and to and for your nervous system to understand that it can settle down. So in understanding the effects and in understanding that our cortisol triggers and gets us into a state of hyper being, we see that manifesting itself in our sleep in our eating, in our thinking, in our doing. What happens in all of those areas? They go overboard. They go into the extreme realm. I'm not sleeping enough. That's an extreme. I'm not getting enough sleep. My eating is sporadic or it is driven by the sympathetic response, fight, fright, or flight. That's extreme. 
my uh, physical activity goes into one or two forms. I'm not doing, well, one or three forms. I'm not doing anything. I'm doing the minimal or I'm doing too much. Those are the extremes that we want to think about when we consider cortisol and its effect in our body. And then with many of you as well, such has been the case with me, um, we find our blood sugar being out of control, insulin uh, resistance, which does not necessarily mean you're diabetic. Uh, Research shows that many of us over 40%, 46 percent of the population will have a challenge with insulin because as we get older, um, our blood sugar production changes for many reasons. I'll go into that in a moment as well. And so I want to talk to us about what can we do? I want to talk about how can we eat to be well, to to bring cortisol back into a peaceful zone? How can we think to be well? How can we live to be well? How can we move to be well, to bring cortisol into natural management and bring it back down to its its um, primary function and purpose in our bodies. So look, let's look at eating to be well. So what we want to consider um, with food is making sure that our food is properly regulating. That means that it's converting into energy. The main idea when I eat my food is to make sure that it converts into nutrients, that it converts into energy, that my metabolic health is strong so that it metabolizes properly. If it metabolizes properly, it's also going to digest properly. My liver is going to be free to do what she needs to do. And then my food and my nutrition can focus on doing what it's supposed to do. I also want to make sure that my food becomes nutrients and glucose and that it flows into my cells, not just into my bloodstream. So the bloodstream is fine, but I don't want it to stop right there. I need, we need our um, food when it is converted. We need that energy to be uh, into our cells. We need it found in our cells. Our cells are responsible for the conversion. So I've um, I've mentioned this in a prior podcast, as well as some uh, public speaking, uh, public talks that I've had about revisiting science back in middle school is when I, I think that's when I remember it the earliest, not necessarily in elementary, although we probably had some worksheets and stuff, but I really remember paying more attention to it in middle school, ATP, mitochondrial health, your mitochondria. Remember the big um, worksheets and the pictures in our science books where they had those big cells and they'd have those 3D pictures of it where it was break broken down, where you could see the different layers and the designs. There were like these squiggly, squiggly lines that kind of looked like pasta, like lasagna, Um, And then it had it would point out what each definition was within that big cell or that organism. So our bodies um, respond in the same way. Our bodies respond by energy. And our cells are responsible for converting that energy energy. So when I eat my food. I need my food to regulate. I need my food to convert into energy. I need that food to become a source of nutrients. I need that 
that food to convert into glucose that will go into my cells. Because if it goes into my cells, then I know that it will convert itself properly. So let's just revisit real quick mitochondria and what mitochondria is. Mitochondria is an organelle or it's, it's organelles that are found in large quantity in our cells. So our cells consist of many, many organelles. And it, in the biochemical process, it provides respiration and energy production. So there's a biochemistry response that happens when we eat. And the main focus is to generate chemical energy. That chemical energy is stored in ATP. And ATP is simply a molecule. So I just want us to revisit that science lesson. So let me give you a second to let that digest what I just said. And so when our food is not converted properly, that's when we experience the symptoms of the cortisol kickback, fatigue, tired, cravings, brain fogginess, uh, stubborn weight gain for some skin breakouts, because this also is directly linked to our liver and our, our liver liver becomes halted in what it's able to do, what it's what it knows naturally to do. It also happens, these things, the symptoms that we, that we experience, like the fatigue, the food uh, cravings. When I say cravings, I mean when it's like off the charts, when you feel like you just cannot get enough, when you feel like you're not able to control it. And let me say that that is an emotional, mental response that will, that will trigger your neurological and your biochemical response. So it's not just a uh, it's not just a matter of willpower. So you can take a deep breath right there. You can relieve yourself of that responsibility or that false guilt that you're not able to be in control. Something is happening in your body biochemically that goes far beyond your willpower. The body knows how to respond on a cellular level. And so when we are having these challenges and we're having these issues, one of the markers is that our blood sugar is high. So the goal is to get it balanced or hovering right in the middle where there's not an overproduction of blood sugar and there's not an underproduction of blood sugar. Many of you who know that in form of hyperglycemia, um, uh, hypoglycemia. So in eating to be well, what I want you to consider is glutathione foods. Now, I love the benefit and I love the value of glutathione because we can find it in our foods. Um, it is a necessary antioxidant. It helps to reduce oxidative stress, which anybody can experience, even those who are in a quote unquote healthy range or who work out regularly. Anybody can experience oxidative stress and viruses feed off of oxidative stress. So glutathione, actually, we eat a lot of uh, glutathione in my house, but we also take it as um, as a supplement. We take it in, in supplement form. And so I want to say when I did the podcast 
a while back on preparing the body to fight virus that I spoke about oxidative stress and I spoke about uh, glutathione. But if you go to my website, my personal website, LaShanna Leonard Moore, I also provided uh, article for you or a list, should I say, of uh, what I called COVID care. Now, there, there are more viral, viral responses to consider, not just COVID, but because COVID is such a large impact and influence in our present day, it's titled COVID care because one thing that happens when your body is attacked by a virus is that it wants to deplete glutathione, especially if you already don't have enough of that antioxidant in your body. So let's talk about eating glutathione-rich foods. Sulfur-rich foods are great. Uh, those are going to be your cruciferous vegetables that are easily digestible because they're water-based. Your rich proteins like good quality beef, fish, and poultry are great. Your spinach, your avocados, okra, and asparagus are going to be great. And I also like to encourage amino acids. And you can get amino acids through various foods and other uh, proteins as well, like whey protein, because whey protein is rich in cysteine. And we know that there are three different, uh, I want to say three different amino acids that are very beneficial to your body, that are very beneficial in making sure that you get enough glutathione, uh, glutamine, glycine, and cysteine. Glutamine is an amino acid that you can take as a supplement. These are in powder form, or you can also get them in the foods that I'm sharing with you. All of these sulfur-rich foods, um, rich proteins, making sure that you are supporting your protein synthesis and your, so your protein cell, cell block production and regeneration. Good, rich proteins are always necessary. And so, you know, I'm an herb girl. And because of that, I, there are two different herbs that I appreciate that give us great glutathione support. And again, all of this is to make sure that our cortisol is working well for us. That's what this boils down to, is making sure that, number one, we got a really good understanding of cortisol. We know what it does in our body. We know how our bodies respond when, it, when cortisol is, is managed well. And we know how our bodies are responding when cortisol is not being managed so well. We also understand that there is a grace factor. There's a grace variable in cortisol management because when we are going through a heck of a lot in our lives, cortisol is going to be on a high because cortisol is trying to defend for you. Cortisol is trying to fight your battles. Cortisol is trying to be your defender, but cortisol also rarely receives the memo that, hey, you can settle down, sis. You can settle down, bro. It's all right now. We can go sit on the bench. We can sit on the sideline. We can take a deep breath. So we find ourselves in hypervigilant mode many times. And then think about some of your jobs that you have that are high demanding, high stress, fast paced, ever changing. Your cortisols are responding to these things. So let me get back to those two herbs. These are the two that I really appreciate that are high in glutathione. They are milk thistle and dandelion. I keep both of these handy. Milk thistle. Um, <laughs> milk thistle. Y'all know I laugh at myself because I like to sing and stuff. Milk thistle uh, when I'm expressing things that I like. 
Milk thistle is a natural anti-inflammatory, okay? Um, it contains uh, a chemical that is that helps to prevent glutathione from depleting in our liver. Uh, that that chemical is, and oh my goodness, I hope I pronounced this right. It's silymarin. It's a chemical that is uh, that is produced, and it helps to prevent glutathione from uh, depleting. Um, and I, I believe I pronounced that correctly. So why is the liver important? You've heard me talk about the liver in this whole nicely blended combination of cortisol and metabolism and synthesizing and making sure that our body's response system is managed and blood pressure is controlled and inflammation is reduced. Well, let me tell you about why blood, about why the liver is so important. Our liver is what breaks down our blood. It's what helps balance our blood. It's what helps create nutrients. Our liver is important uh, to detoxify. It's important that uh, we have proper bowel release. All of that happens in our liver. And so I like milk thistle. Um, you can take milk, milk thistle as a supplement. You can take it as a natural herb, as a fresh, dry herb. I have them handy here at home because I like to create teas for me. For me, this is one of the easiest and most enjoyable ways to um, to experience my herbs, to have my herbs, to keep my herbs as a part of my life through teas. I do them hot many times, but there there are times where I that well I'll do them cold as well if I, if I'm in the mood and I can simply add ice cubes if I want to or refrigerate it if I want to, and I can have my teas that way. So do remember that if you've kind of got a, a iffy or an okay kind of relationship with teas. Remember that you don't always have to drink them hot. The um, temperatures, whether whether it's cold or hot, doesn't necessarily change the enzymes of all of them. Um, I, I like to say that the enzymes of some of these herbs are most maximized when we consume the tea hot just because of the response of the body. But it's not going to make or break if you have them cold. Okay, it's not going to change one way or another, really, in any type of enzyme structure, whether you have them hot or cold. Um, So that's your prerogative. You have the freedom to make that decision. Uh, Let's talk about dandelion real quick. Dandelion, many of you already know, is a natural liver detox. Detox. Think of the word, not in the trending idea of the word of detox, but in purifying, in flushing. Liver automatically does that. Doesn't need our help to load it with a lot of stuff. If system wants a push, if system wants to be enhanced with a little bit more, then dandelion is great for that. Dandelion is high in potassium and calcium and vitamin K. Dandelion boosts glutathione in our bodies. So glutathione, again, is an antioxidant that is necessary to reduce oxidative stress. Glutathione is necessary in our bodies to help regulate our cortisol levels. And one way that we can appreciate glutathione is by eating it more or opting for a supplementation. And the reality is that sometimes in our lives, we're going to need supplementation. 
I can probably get into that more in a different episode. I want to keep the main thing, the main thing here. And the second thing I want to, I want to, um, offer to you about eating to be well with cortisol is making sure that we're getting more fiber in our diet. I'm not going to take the time to go into specific numbers because many of you are probably not, um, measuring, um, what you're eating every day, unless you're in extreme sports. I want to just say, make sure that you are incorporating fiber in your eating throughout the day. What does fiber look like? Fiber is found in our nuts. Fiber is found in oats. Fiber is found in a diversity of vegetables. So you know how you have multicolored cauliflower, multicolored radish and carrots. Fiber is all up and through. Okay. (laughs) Fiber is all up and through. I want you to really expand. And I've said this before, expand your exploration of vegetables. Try as many multicolored fruits and vegetables as you can. I know we spend a lot of time talking about green leafy vegetables. And whereas they are loaded with a lot of nutrients and benefits, do not forget about the multicolored vegetables as well. Try them. And here's the great thing. You can use chicken stock. You can use Uh, bone broth, beef stock, vegetable stock, whatever you want. You can, you can steam them. You can boil them. You can saute them. You can combine them with other vegetables. You can combine them with a good, healthy beef, fish, poultry, and enjoy eating more fiber. So you don't always have to go to a fiber source or a fiber supplementation, you can eat your fiber and make sure that you're eating it well throughout the day. There is um, a protein by, I want to say Garden of Life, that has a fiber combination in it that is really good. I'll look into that and put it into my notes. But fiber is necessary because it reduces inflammation in the brain and in the gut. So a lot of times our body, as we get older... And I'm going to qualify getting older as 40 plus because that's when your body really experiences more drastic changes. Some of you who are 35 plus may be feeling that. But this fiber, fiber is a food that increases and, and improves the brain function. It gives our, our brain more neuroplasticity. It helps with clarity. It really helps to improve the brain's function. And when the brain is functioning well, more than we realize, then the, the gut will function well. So your beta carotene, your folate, your fatty fish, your berries, your walnuts, all of that good stuff high in fiber. Feed more of that to your body. I think y'all get the point. Thinking to be well, thinking so that we can regulate cortisol and make sure that cortisol is doing what she's supposed to do and not getting out of control. One thing that I like to do uh, for myself is if I if I find myself on an unhealthy emotional tangent or if, if my emotions are on the low spectrum for too long, it's time for me to start tracking why. So I'd like to encourage you to track your thoughts. 
because your thoughts push emotion. Your thoughts uh, birth emotions and mo- yeah, e- e- birth emotions and feelings. Why am I feeling the way that I am? Was it something that set me off at the beginning of the day? Was it because my sleep was off and I didn't sleep very well? Was it because there was a conversation that I entertained or that I engaged in that left a sour taste in my mouth or, or left a, a heavy feeling in my gut or just really set my spirit off and it didn't sit well with me? Have I been going through something in life that's making it really hard for me to think positive or to see good things or to see beauty in life? Track your thoughts and you can pretty much track the emotion. And then managing thoughts. So I, it is important for us to make sure that we have a, a great balancing scale of thoughts, our thought life. What am I thinking about? What am I focusing on? What am I repeating? What, what am I rehearsing? It's said that we have more than 6,000 thoughts a day. This has been discovered by psychologists through their own research that we typically have 6,000 thoughts in a single day. That's a lot of work for the human brain. That's a lot for the human brain to contain and to try to filter and disperse. So managing my thoughts, what I'm thinking about, what I'm meditating on, what I'm rehearsing in my mind is important. And how can I filter those things out by calling order to my brain, order to my mind? There are many days that I will say, hold up, peace, be still, order to my mind. There are other ways that we can think to be well, like meditation. So meditation can be deliberate in that we're taking clock time, time like with a stopwatch or with a clock. And we're taking physical time, that we're taking time to literally pause our activity of the day. But meditation can also take place throughout the day as I'm going in the rhythm of life that I'm making sure that I'm keeping track of what I'm thinking, of what I'm praying, of what I'm saying. What I'm thinking, what I'm praying, and what I'm saying. And then I also like to complete uh, con- to, um, to add in thinking to be well, taking breath. Breath is a great way to feed your mitochondrial health. Breathing is a great way to kick your parasympathetic nerve into system, in, into place. Your sympathetic, parasympathetic nervous system into place to activate it, which means... It's the messenger that lets us know that we can be calm, that we can close our eyes and rest. I'm going a little over my 30 minute mark that I usually like to maintain in the podcast, but it is necessary. And I want to make sure that you get this. The last uh, two that I want to share with you is living to be well. And in living to be well, I just want to focus on one. uh, Well, no, I'm I'm a blend living and moving. I want to elevate. I want to give a shout out to sleep. And I want to I want you to consider sleep as something uh, that brings you ecstasy. I want to think about it as the ecstasy of sleep. That's what I want to call it. The ecstasy of sleep. Why? Because you find the unity with your body's rhythm. Oh, And you restore your body's melatonin production. Ooh. (laughs) 
And then you design a sleep routine for yourself, which includes the preparation of sleep. So to prepare to go to sleep means that I've got to look at the rhythm of my life a few hours early before the time that I'm planning to actually uh, immerse myself into my bed, put myself into my bed. What does that look like for you with lights, with energy, with rhythm, with, with pulse and pace, with volumes around you, with electronics and all that kind of stuff? You've got to figure it out. You've got to find a routine. You've got to design a sleep routine. And for those of you who have different demands in your life, caregiving, traveling, teaching, night shifts, certain professions, certain disabilities, whatever the case may be for you, you've got to design an ecstasy sleep routine that works for you. Because what happens as we sleep is that our bodies are able to regenerate Our bodies are able to restore ourselves, restore themselves. Hormones are restored. Cortisol is restored. Protein cells are restored. Mitochondrial health is restored. It is critical that you sleep. And naps, if you can get them in, there's a study, a neurological study on the benefits of naps as well. Different naps taken, uh, naps taken different times of the day, how it is actually productive to us. And then lastly, moving to be well, I call it walk in weather. Find some type of camaraderie with the weather where you are and figure out how to move about in it. Walk in weather is something that I like to do. Bike ride with a good uh, weather forecast is what I like to do. Gentle movement on the body, movement that will not cause you to go into overload or extreme stress or go into overdrive. Um, Just gentle movement like stretching, like relaxing, like moving the body naturally. I call it noga, not yoga because I'm not a yoga professional. Yoga is great, but I can't really advise you on the skills of yoga. So I call it noga, which means that I'm lying on my mat and I just really take my body through a movement sequence, a movement sequences, stretching sequences. I'm testing my agility, my flexibility, my range of motion. I'm feeling to see where I'm hurting the most, where there is the most resistance in the muscle, in the joint or the range of motion. Gentle movement and breathing through that. And then moving to be well is a combination of resistance and joy. What does that mean? Resistance and joy? Well, we've got to have some resistance. Our muscles needed for growth because our muscles needed for the metabolism. And the metabolism needs it for metabolic health and also to help fight disease. Yep, your metabolism can do that. It can do that. And the muscle helps it do that. <laughs> And along with all of that panting and that pressure and that good challenge and that good stress that resistance exercise provides, then you balance it out with some joy. You dance, you Zumba, you Samba, you African dance, you glide, you roller skate, you go and swing on a swing. That's how we balance it. That's why I call it the, con- the combo of resistance and joy. Selah. Take all of this in.
definitely replay this. So this is our general teaching. This is a general teaching, just a fundamental truth and understanding of cortisol. Understanding what it is, how it works in our body, how it should work for us, and how to know when it's working against us. It doesn't mean to, but how to be able to find those triggers and those symptoms and those side effects of uh, cortisol being out of balance and how to bring that back into balance. Listen, you can email me if you have questions. You are more than welcome. I encourage you to schedule a consultation with me. What does that do? It allows, it allows you the opportunity to talk about what's going on. It allows me to understand what root, system, what root systems need to be detected to address your issue. It allows us to look at labs together. It allows me to, to look at your labs and to study them, to find out more on the medical end of what's going on. And then we look into mental health support. There's a lot that comes out of a consultation, but you have support, you have love, you have patience, and you have skill there um, at your fingertips to improve your well-being. So this has been Your Well Woman, and you know, as always, I want you to be well and be whole.